0: Welcome back to the Martech
1: Podcast. Today, we're going to continue our discussion about building customer loyalty and engagement. Joining us is Derek Fung, who is the co founder and CEO of Drop, which is a personalized commerce platform that intelligently surfaces the right brands at the right time to make their members' lives better than they were the day before. Powered by machine learning, Drop matches consumers with over 300 partner brands to award them with points for their purchases that they can redeem for instant rewards. And yesterday, Derek and I talked about how machine learning allows retailers to harness consumer data for targeted advertising. And today, we're going to talk a little bit about how to properly leverage reward programs to boost customer engagement. Okay, here's the rest of my conversation with Derek Fung, co-founder and CEO of Drop. Derek, welcome back to the MarTech podcast.
2: Thanks for having me back.
1: Excited to be able to continue our conversation. Yesterday, we talked about loyalty programs, specifically starting off with the history of loyalty programs, going back to the CPG brands using punch cards and telephone numbers to do redemptions. We've obviously come a long way since then, and there's a lot of applications for the data collected out of loyalty programs. Today, I want to take a little bit of a step back and talk about loyalty and engagement and what that really means. So- Give me your thoughts when a company or a brand is just starting out and they want to build in loyalty, they want to build consumer engagement. What are the steps that you recommend they go through? What advice do you have to just start thinking about loyalty and engagement from day one?
2: I'll tell a quick story. So I remember in the early days of Drop, I pitched a VC, a venture capitalist who invested in Uber's seed round. And I pitched them the idea for Drop. I said, hey, young consumers want seamless points. They want a very seamless experience. Fast forward to today, we do have a partnership with Uber. But the one thing that that investor said to me was, hey, Derek, I don't know if you know this, but Uber actually has negative churn. And this was five years ago. And you know, I was a relatively newer entrepreneur. And in my head, I'm like, what do you mean they have negative churn? And he said, well, for every person who downloads Uber, when you look at a average normal consumer company, every month, people churn, people leave. But with Uber, people join and they end up inviting more people and those people invite more people. So they actually have negative churn.
1: The equivalent of a K factor over one.
2: Exactly. Where
1: each consumer has a viral impact that generates more than one consumer.
2: Yes. And when you follow that first consumer over time, even if they leave, they tend to come back. So they have what they call a smiley cohort, which means some people will leave, but then they'll come back, which is why Uber is worth what it is today. So I'd say that based on that learning, loyalty, I find often is a word that's thrown around a lot, but has also evolved. There's always this talk around, hey, millennials aren't loyal. They actually, in fact, are very loyal to brands that they love. And to your question around how drive loyalty, get consumers to love your brand, make the experience awesome so that they tell others. And I think That is what should drive loyalty. It's the value that you're giving to your consumers. Because ultimately in today's world, especially the millennial consumer, they have a lot of choice, they have a lot of options. The moment that there's something out in the market that is better, they will jump on it. And it's harder to compete these days purely on price. Brand has become more and more important in especially the world of D2C. You know, When you read, for example, Casper, who recently just filed to go IPO, if you read their public S1 filing, Their biggest risk isn't logistical risk. It isn't anything to do with how they create the mattress or distribute the mattress. It's actually their brand. Like If you read the filing, it says, this company may not exist if the brand falters or deteriorates. So another story is I recently spoke to a CMO of a large stock trading company and they came to me and said, Hey, we're looking to build a loyalty program. You know, some of the big incumbents in the space, including Robinhood, are offering a mobile app with no commission. We believe we can create a loyalty program to solve that. And I said to them, that's not how you should be thinking about it. I think people are leaving because potentially the product experience. Uh, yes, you know, your competitor is offering zero commission, but let's look at the experience. Let's look at the user experience. Let's look at how you talk to your consumer. Another big one is your story. Consumers these days will buy based on a very powerful story. And brands like Equinox and Everlane and Casper have done a really phenomenal job of articulating their story. Companies like Marriott Bonvoy are one of the best in the space who have been able to take all of these things and then wrapping it in a way that is scalable and is easy to understand.
1: It's interesting to me that when I posed the question of how do you build loyalty, and really my thought was we're going to go into a metrics conversation and a product conversation, that your answer was storytelling, was brand. Build a point of differentiation and understand your consumers so you can not be focused specifically on price. You mentioned that millennials and younger generations, some people think that they are less loyal, and you actually said that they are fiercely loyal, but to less brands. Talk to me about why you say that, and what is the reason why they are loyal, but only to specific brands and experiences?
2: I think it goes back to what I said. I think they really resonate with this story. One of the biggest pop culture phenomenons of last year, and I actually know the individual who produced the documentary, but was Fire Island the music festival that completely flopped. But somehow, Billy McFarlane convinced tens of thousands of people to buy tickets to his music festival. Why? I blame Ja Rule, but go yeah. on. <laughs> and believe it or not, I was actually a member. You know, Before he did this, he had a company called Magnesis, which was the millennial black card. And now he's a member. So I've met the guy. And I think what he's done really well is he's leveraged influencers to tell the story. And why are brands spending more and more on influencer marketing? It's because it goes back to story. It goes back to a lot of young people resonating with micro-influencers. And, you know, gone are the days of the big mega-celebrity. They're on Instagram learning about a product. And if you can tell a better story, then this consumer will naturally gravitate towards you. And I think it's a bit self-fulfilling. You know, to tell a good story, you need a lot of money. And this is how, even though in the world of mattresses, there's a lot of Casper competitors, they've been able to raise a lot of money to tell a better story. And through a better story, they get more sales and then raise more money to then tell a better story. So I think that's very important. Another example of a very interesting brand who's approached this in a very unique way is Airbnb. When you talk to Airbnb and you Google, the CEOs talked about this, what they call the 10-star experience. Airbnb as a consumer is not just you show up, and you walk into your place and you leave their aspiration is one day you land there's a black car the black car picks you up it takes you to your airbnb you walk in all your favorite products everything you love is there there's a curated service that knows the restaurants that you like that is where the consumers will be more and more loyal to airbnb versus the hotels but in a lot of these marketplace type of companies as you mentioned product and metrics What they figured out, which is also very interesting, is they want more loyalty from the hosts first. They said if the hosts are happy, they will create a much better experience for the consumer. And I think that back to your thought around product, and everyone talks about product market fit. 10 years ago, product market fit was such an easier thing to measure and to realize that you have it or not. It was a bunch of people are downloading your app, they are engaging, and they are opening up your app. And that's how companies raise a ton of money. Fast forward to today, there are a whole slew of different things to look at, and some of them are out of your control. For example, the average number of apps that consumers downloaded in 2019 is zero. So there's much more competition out there. And the way we think about product market fit is when you interview your consumers and you ask them, if our brand and our product disappeared tomorrow, would you be upset? Product market fit is that. It's not a metric. It's not necessarily a ratio. Yes, those are leading indicators, but I think it's ultimately, does this consumer love your product? And if yes, do they love it more than all your competitors out there? So what's interesting
1: to me is we talk about loyalty, you haven't mentioned loyalty programs yet building a brand, building a story, right? Understanding who your consumers are and building the right experience for them to differentiate yourself from your competitors all makes sense. At what point does it make sense to actually build out a program to try to drive loyalty to consumers?
2: Yeah, I'd say once you have that very strong product market fit. So if you're an incumbent who's been in this space for a long time, but you're losing market share, that is a bigger problem than simply out a loyalty program. But if you have strong product market fit, you're gaining market share, you have a very defensible business model. This is where I think it makes a lot of sense. And this is why, as I mentioned, when that big trading company came to me, they were clearly losing market share. And it wasn't because they didn't have a loyalty program.
1: Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, MuteNex. So for the companies that do have a, you know, a product that is stable, that is scaling, and they're ready to layer on a loyalty program, what are some of the tips that you have for actually making it successful?
2: It's a great question. And a lot of these are suggestions that we've learned through Drop. So the first one is seamlessness. You know, consumers want things that are easy. Every sticky app they use, it's a swipe of a button. It's a click of a button.
1: Talking to their home speaker. Don't forget that one's coming too.
2: Exactly. Everything just all triangulates towards Seamlessness, Seamlessness, Seamlessness. I think that's very important. The second one is experiential. So when you think about rewards, when you think about the loyalty programs of the past, you're getting like a cash back, you're getting a coupon mailed to you, you're getting a check mailed to you. And it's not as fun as, I think, what this new consumer really wants. They want to be able to hit a button, they get access to a concert or they get exclusive meet and greet with an artist or, you know, with drop. The reason why we did not go cash back is we want to highlight the brands and the experiences that the consumers can get access to. So when we promote drop through influencer or through Facebook, it's not, Hey, you're redeeming for, you know, a gift card. It's you're redeeming to fund your lifestyle. And I think lifestyle is also very important. It's being able to tie a program around the lifestyle of the consumer. And there is one point I forgot to mention, which is gamification and doing it right. And to really summarize, I'd say who's done that really well beyond drop, of course, who's done it right is Starbucks. It's engaging the messaging and how they talk to you is sometimes I feel like it's poking fun at me. And it's like a a friend in my pocket, but I get it knows me. It knows every Thursday at this time, I go and get a white mocha frappuccino and it knows that so well that it says, hey, do you want to redeem your points for more of these and not things you don't want? They've gamified the app in a way that I haven't seen a lot of companies do. And I think why gamification is important is when you think about the most popular and sticky apps out there, they're all games. Tinder, Snapchat, I think Facebook is the biggest game, You know, especially when you're trying to get your likes up so I think these are all important things to consider when building out an engaging loyalty program. It's funny.
1: I think that there's two opposite factors here, you know, seamlessness. I want a loyalty program that I don't actually have to operate with, right? Like I want to be able to walk into Pete's and pay with my Apple watch and not actually open a separate app to be part of their loyalty program. I don't want to have to go back and forth. I just want to get in and get out, but I do want the rewards. And on the flip side, I understand how gamification and companies saying, hey, you've earned 10 out of 12, you know, have another shot of espresso and let's get this day going is useful marketing copy and makes it kind of fun to engage with the program. So how do you balance the two of wanting a seamless experience and then building in the game that can be intrusive or interrupting to someone's life?
2: One word, personalization. What I mean by that is research show this, we see this. If you give a consumer what they want at the right point in time, at the right place, then they love it. And I think we're moving towards a world of better and better and better personalization. But as a consumer, if you come to me and say, Hey, I want you to jump through hoops and do this one thing. If it's not relevant to me, I will not do it. Versus if you do it in a fun, personalized way and it's actually something I want... I think this is where there's the win-win between the brand, between the consumer, and it's all based on data. So again, it's one of those words that everyone talks about. I think it's still very, very early days. I think that as Pete's, you're not just competing against your competitors, you're competing against the dozens of notifications that this consumer is getting every single day and emails and texts. And to really stand out these days, it's very, very, very hard, unless you're building a personalized experience for that consumer.
1: So before I let you go, obviously, Drop is a service in the loyalty and engagement platform. Tell me just quickly, what's the difference between Drop and some of your major competitors?
2: Yeah. Uh, One is that we are built on top of uh, financial API. So because of that, we have a much more 360 view of the consumer. And because of that, we can better personalize and target than competitors we also exclusively focus on mobile. So I'm a big believer of the couch commerce consumer, the consumer that's at home doing their shopping on their phone, lounging, you know, maybe before bed or after a meal. That's the consumer that we really focus on. And we are very millennial focused in terms of the brands that we have on. Of the top 400 online millennial brands, we have half of them on drop. So we've focused on online, mobile, a very particular consumer typically living in big cities. however, anyone can use the product. you know we cover all the major brands across US and Canada and ultimately it's simple like the way that we've built the platform is redemption is a press of a button. earning points is as easy as a swipe of a card or shopping through the app. and fun has always been a big part of how we think about the product because as I mentioned it's very, very hard. To stand out these days and we've just built a product that is more fun more personalized and more seamless than anything out there
1: well derek i appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your thoughts about the loyalty space and i'm going to go sign up for drop myself
2: great thanks for having me
1: all right and that wraps up this episode of the martech podcast thanks to derek fung co-founder and ceo of drop for joining us If you'd like to learn more about Derek, you can click on the link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can send him a tweet. His company's handle is Joindrop, J-O-I-N-D-R-O-P. Or you could visit his company's website, which is Joindrop.com. Just one link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to Pod, MarTechPod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D, where we have summaries of all of our episodes, contact information for our guests. You can sign up for our once a week newsletter. You can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is Pod, again, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D, on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or you can send me a message directly. My handle is Ben